We're in a five-week series on spiritual warfare. Today we're going to look at angels, so welcome to Angel Sunday. If you weren't here last week, last week was demons, and you were here for Demon Sunday. It's an exciting time. Um, tonight, as Lorna Yunker-Anderson and Stu Montgomery walk us through uh, some exercises, they're going to be talking about inner healing and spiritual healing and, and what this looks like. Because at the end of this, I've preached on this a number of times over the years. These notes, for some of you, will be very familiar. Um, but as we come to this, I want you to know that at the end of this, we're not looking to have some deliverance ministry. Basically, what you have at the end of this, we're praying, is a prayer ministry. Out of the prayer ministry, you're praying that some people experience healing from past hurts, that some people experience repentance because they're walking in sin, that some people experience healing because they're ill, and then eventually you go and some people are struggling with being demonized. And, and in that, we're praying their freedom from that demonization. And so tonight, they will do that next week because Sam Alvary is here. We're taking a pause in the series. And the last week, I'm going to look at putting on the full armor of God. And that Sunday night, I will take Q&A on angelology and on uh, um, the full armor of God and what that looks like. There's all kinds of misconceptions about, about angels, though. I mean, if you talk to people in the culture, if you just went out and began to interview people about their thoughts on angels, some people, people would tell you, well, when I die, I become an angel. That's not in the Bible. You do not become an angel when you die. That is not true. Um, some people dedicate themselves to angels. You can go to different places like St. Jacob's, Niagara-on-the-Lake, spots in Hamilton, actually, where there are stores dedicated to angels. And you can go in and buy all kinds of stuff that's dedicated to angels. And you can walk around a shop. You can look at it. Some people worship angels in that. But there's a lot of confusion about who angels are and what they do. Now, part of that confusion is because there's an array of verses in Scripture between 250 and 275, depending on whether you categorize um, seraphs and cherubs as angels or not. But there's a number of passages in Scripture where angels are mentioned. And we have some details that are there, but there's not like a passage you go to and you just walk through to understand ageology. In fact, I went back to some systematic theology textbooks in the last couple of weeks to just reread the sections on angels and demons over the last number of weeks. So these are big volumes of like 1,500 pages or 2,000 pages that you crack open for fun and read. And, um, and as I was reading these sections, you know, all the, I, I worked through four of them. They all said uh, this is likely the hardest topic to be able to bring together some type of formation on because you're pulling together stuff from all over the Bible. So what do we know about them? What do we know about them? Firstly, angels are created by God. Angels are created by God. And if you ever want my notes, like they said, they're in the notice, and you can grab them. So Psalm 148 says this, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all the heavenly hosts. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for at his command they were created. And he established them forever and ever. He issued a decree that will never pass away. Colossians 1, 16, For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. So the angels are created beings. We talked about this last week when we talked about demons. We talked about it when we talked about Satan. Satan's a created being. Right? He was an angel who fell. The demons are angels who fell. The Angels are created beings, so they are not as powerful of God, as God. Not even close. They are creatures. They are more powerful than us, but they are not as powerful, not remotely as God. They are 
creatures. They are only able to have the authority and the power that God gives them. Angels are spirits. Hebrews 1.14 says, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to, those, uh, sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? I'll come to that later. Angels have great power. 2 Thessalonians 1, 6 and 7. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. So when Paul in 2 Thessalonians is talking about the second coming and the imminent return of Christ, he says he's coming with the powerful angels. Angels are powerful. Angels don't marry. Jesus says this, at the resurrection, Matthew 22, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. Angels don't marry. Angels fall into temptation. I didn't put the verses up here for this one. We looked at them the last number of weeks where Satan fell. He chose to rebel. He chose to rebel against God. And in doing so, angels can fall into temptation. They also can appear in human form. Again, I didn't put all the verses up. But in Genesis 18, you have angels appearing in human form to Abraham. You just move over a couple of chapters in, uh, in the encounter of Sodom and Gomorrah. They appear to Lot in human form. They appear, an, an angel appears to Jacob in human form. So you have here angels that appear in human form or likeness. It happens, right? Visitors to Abraham. Angels are there. They are numerous. In, in the book of Revelation, John says, I looked and I heard the voice of angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. And they encircle the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And if we look at what we were doing in Revelation last week, that possibly a third of the angelic realm fell with the devil, with Satan, which is a possibility, uh, it's at least an, an interpretation of that text that's plausible, it means that two-thirds of the angels remain. So the angels far outnumber the demons. So what do angels do? If that's a bit of who angels are, what do they do? Well, angels worship God. Psalm 148, uh, we've already looked at this, but oh, praise the Lord, all you angels, you mighty uh, ones who do his bidding. Uh, praise his words. Wait, this is Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, all you heavenly hosts, you uh, his servants who do his will. So you have it in Psalm 148, two already read that praise the Lord, you angels. You have it again in Psalm uh, 103. Praise the Lord, you heavenly hosts. Revelation 5, I looked and I heard the voices of many angels, numbering the thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. And they're circling the throne of the living creatures and they're crying out, holy is the Lord. They give God glory and worship. So one of the things angels do is they worship God. There are different roles for angels. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, it says this, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with a voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So one of the angels is called the archangel. We know who it is. Anybody know who it is? Michael. So this is Jude 9. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses. This is what I'm talking about, all right? What is that? Like, some, like you can read any commentary you want on Jude, and this is what we all do. What is that? 
even the archangel Michael. So that's a title for him as archangel. When he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses. What? He did not dare bring a slanderous accusation against him, but said, the Lord rebuke you. What's going on? Well, let's, let's leave that for now, right? Because I have no idea what's going on. I'm going to throw something out in a minute that might help. Um, but, but what you have here is Michael is called the archangel. So he's given a title. And in other passages in, of Scripture, in Daniel 10, that we read about a couple of weeks ago, where Daniel's prayer is delayed, the prince of Persia, who's a demon, has stopped the angel who's bringing the answer to Daniel's prayer to Daniel from God. He's delayed three weeks. Is that not fasting? If you weren't here, you got to go back and read that. That's Daniel 10. As the angel is delayed, Michael shows up, takes the demon out. That's pretty cool, to be honest. Right? Don't think it was Matrix style, but however it happened. Probably no guns involved. Uh, don't think they have laser beams either, but however they did it. Uh, and he's called, that, it was said that Michael, one of the chief princes, showed up. So he's named as one of the chief princes. So that means there are other angels that hold that designation. And it's not all angels. So there's some hierarchy within the angelic realm. There's an archangel. And then there is this, where you have uh, chief princes. Who's the only other angel named for us in Scripture? Gabriel. Gabriel right? And Gabriel's not named as an archangel. So people assume he is because he's named, but there's no mention of him being an archangel. It just mentions his name, that Gabriel shows up. So angels are messengers to human beings. They appear to Abraham, I already said that, Lot, and to Jacob. So you have angels that appear, and they're messengers. In Acts 7, uh, the Word of God says this, as Luke is writing, Was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him, you who have received the law that was put into effect through the angels but have not obeyed it. Who helped to put the law into effect? What's the text say? Angels. God uses angels as his messengers, two people at times, and in putting his word together and putting the law together. Peter, this is Acts 10, went down and said to the men, if you are looking, uh, I'm the one you're looking for. This is when uh, Peter's having the vision. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man. He's respectable. He's respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him, note, he's not an apostle. Right? This isn't, some people will say, well, angels just talk to the apostles. That's not what this says. An angel, a holy angel told him, that's Cornelius the centurion, to ask you to come to his house so that uh, he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. God uses angels as messengers to people. So when was the last time you talked to an angel? Do you know? Would you know? I mean, sometimes in Scripture, when someone comes face to face with an angel, they're terrified, and they believe that it is the judgment of God coming, and so that's why the angels often say, don't be afraid. But that's not in every case. There are times when angels show up and there is no fear. 
maybe because of the form they took. I remember getting uh, off in Calgary to speak at an event a number of years ago. A gentleman picked me up and, uh, in his Dodge Caravan. I remember that because of this. As we were driving, I asked him what he did for a living, and he uh, owned a national company with hundreds of employees. I was like, ah, oh, that's pretty cool that you own a Dodge Caravan. He said, well, before God saved me, he said, I only drove luxury vehicles, so I can afford anything I want. But after God saved me, I realized that my purpose now was to give as much of my money away. So he said, it's 11 years old. It's still running. Why would I give it up? So as we drove, I asked him how God saved him. He said, my business was booming. We were opening up franchise all across Canada. Things were going incredibly well. My marriage was great. My kids were great. Um, he said, everything was going well, right? I had four properties that I owned. We could travel anywhere we wanted to in the world and just visit them. Uh, and uh, I was empty. I was just completely and utterly empty. And I was going to visit my buddy Brian one day, a colleague in work, another company. Brian's a believer, he said. He and I had, had conversations about Jesus. And on my way there, near the entrance to Brian's Tower in downtown Calgary, there's a man sitting there, and he looks to me, uh, up at me. This man looks up at me, and he says, Sir, why are you empty? And he's like, says, I'm shocked. Like, I have no clue who this guy is. I have no clue what's going on. I think he's going to ask me for food or money. But instead, he asked me why I'm empty. And I said, how do you know I'm empty? He said, when you visit your friend Brian today, when you talk to him, just ask him one more time what the Lord has done for him. He's like, how do you know I'm visiting my friend Brian? Like, what is going on? He said, I was just so shocked that I kept walking. And he, and he said, he said I, I, I got to the financial Brian's building. I went back and he was gone. I went upstairs to where Brian is. We sat in his office. Brian, I told him the whole experience of what just happened. Brian came down with me because I was asking Brian, said, we don't ever have someone sitting where you're talking. That's just not what happens. We came downstairs. There was no one there. No one around had seen him. The guy that was selling magazines and newspapers at the cart, just, just a couple of, uh, of meters away, didn't see him. No one else saw him. Brian said, let's go for breakfast. And we did. And over breakfast, my friend Brian led me to faith in Jesus Christ. And he looked over and he said, God used an angel to get my attention. That's what happened that day. Now, you don't have to take that at his word, but I did. God can do that. He still does it. Angels didn't just stop appearing to his people. In fact, isn't that what we read just a minute ago in Hebrews 1.14? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who inherit salvation? That's us, if you're a believer today. Well, angels are instrumental in our prayers. I already talked about this from Daniel 10. I can't explain how our prayers get delayed, but sometimes God chooses to take an angel to deliver the answer to the prayer we've prayed. That's not always the case. I don't want you to think that that's every prayer. It's an example in Scripture that's described for us. But for us to think it only happened once to Daniel, I don't think would be wise. Revelation 8 says this. Listen to this. Another angel 
who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all of God's people. Did you hear what the angel has? The prayers of all of God's people. On the golden altar in front of the throne, the smoke of the incense together with the prayers of God's people went up before the Lord from the angel's hand. Can I just say this one more time? What? Like, but it's here. And so the angels are instrumental in our prayer life. Angels are pitiful in Christ's ministry, in his birth, his temptation, his death, his resurrection. Right? You see angels, Gabriel, announcing his birth. His birth is announced to Mary, or they announce his birth to Mary. They announce his birth to Joseph. Angels are pivotal in this. When Jesus is tempted in the wilderness, it's angels who show up after his temptation to minister to him. When Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, who shows up to minister to him? An angel of the Lord shows up to minister to Jesus in Gethsemane at the Mount of Olives. And at the resurrection, who's there? An angel. An angel. Angels watch the unfolding drama of God's salvation. 1 Peter 1. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who uh, preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. I love this line. Even angels long to look into these things. Why? My, my speculation on this is because there's no provision for salvation for the angels. Possibly that is because they had direct access into God's presence, and any being who has direct access into God's presence, who chooses to rebel against God in that way, God says, I'm done with you. Like, there's no chance for any form of repentance here. There's no salvation offered to you. And so the angels that fell can't be saved. And the angels that didn't fall are like, huh, God didn't treat these people Humanity, the way he treated our fallen angels. God's treated them differently. God's provided a savior for them. God's gripping their hearts. God's changing their lives. And the angels are looking in saying, let's understand what the Lord's doing among this people. Angels rejoice over a repentant sinner. You find this lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. Luke 15, 10. In the same way, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The angels celebrate when a sinner repents. The angels rejoice when God saves someone. Angels are present in the church. This is one of my favorite ones, too. 1 Timothy 5. I charge you, Paul says to Timothy, in the sight of God and Christ Jesus and the elect angels. What? To keep these instructions without partiality and to do nothing out of favoritism. So God has angels involved with the ministry of his church. Angels bear the souls of the redeemed to heaven. This might be Moses and the devil. This might be related to this passage. You got to be careful here. This is a parable. But just take a look. The time came when the beggar died, and angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. So you want to be careful what you extract from a parable, but here you have the idea of Jesus talking and saying, that when Lazarus the beggar died, an angel carried him to Abraham's bosom. 
that might be the battle going on with the angel and uh, the devil over Moses' body because the angel is bringing Moses' body into God's presence. So when a believer dies, is it an angel that escorts, or, or that escorts your soul to the Lord? I don't want to go too far with the passage like that, but it's something to think about. Angels are instrumental in God's judgment. You see that in Exodus 12 and the death of the firstborn. Revelation 8, uh, you can see that as well. And here in Matthew 13. So this is how it will be from the end of the age. The angels will come, or it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous. So angels minister to God's people. I just want to kind of walk through this, and I'm almost done. Well, almost. You've got to give me seven or eight minutes here. Almost is like my almost. Um, so, so you have here, the apostles are in jail in Acts 5, and an angel opens the door. In Acts 5, it's a number of the apostles in jail. In Acts 12, I'm not going to read these two passages because we just went through Acts. Peter's in jail, and an angel leads him out. So there you have a couple of occasions in Acts where angels show up, letting the apostles out at one time, letting Peter out at another. Then you have Elijah. Elijah has just taken on the gods, small g gods, uh, and prophets of Baal, and he's won. And he's exhausted. And Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Verse 3. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servants there. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. He lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around. And there by his head was some baked bread over hot coals in a jar of water. He ate and drank, and then he laid down again. So angels are chefs. No, I, that's not the point there. It's not the point, right? But angels are spirits who minister to God's people. Second Kings 6, this is like one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. So Elisha's there with his servant. They're surrounded. When the servant of the man of God got up, verse 15, and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city, right? Because as this army is trying to attack, every time they're trying to attack, God would say to Elisha what was happening. Elisha would tell them the king, and they couldn't attack. So now they've had enough. They're going to kill Elisha. Oh, no, my lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, Elisha answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, you've got to remember, the servant is like, Elisha, that's you and me. Like it's you and me and an army. They've sent a whole army against Elisha and his servant because they know that God is with him. Because only God could reveal to him the things that the king says, the things that I'm speaking about in my secret chamber. In essence, in my bedroom. To my privates. Like to the, to the, to the private army generals, right? So I'm speaking to them and no one here is understanding. I mean, I mean no one here is betraying me. Only God could do this. So he's there talking about how he's in his chambers, speaking these words only to the generals that he would trust, the army leaders that, that he would entrust that to. And so he sent an army knowing that God is with Elisha. And Elisha says to his servant, don't worry, those who are with us are more than with them. And Elisha prays, open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. The Lord opened the servant's eyes. He looked up and he sees the hills are full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha and the army the enemy came down toward him, and Elisha prayed, strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Would that not be amazing? Could you imagine that? 
Can you imagine right now if the Lord chose to crack open time into eternity and we could see the demonic and the angelic realm right in front of us? That's what Elisha allowed his servant to see, the angelic realm, as he opened up to what he could see. And maybe today those are people with gifts of discernment and discerning spirits, able to see the realm around us that many of us can't. I already talked about Hebrews 1.14, that all angels are ministering spirits sent to those who will inherit salvation. Matthew 18.10, don't look down on one of these little ones, Jesus says, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see my, the face of my Father in heaven. I remember years ago, I was young, like, I don't know what I was, 18, 20, I, thought, I was convinced there could not be guardian angels. That was just a silly thing. This passage seems to indicate that, at least for children. That Jesus has appointed an angel to watch over them. We can minister to angels. Hebrews 13 says, don't forget to entertain strangers. For by doing so, some of you have entertained angels without knowing them. So where from here? Let me offer a few thoughts. One, angels are not to be worshipped. You can see that in Revelation 19. You can also see that in 2 Colossians 2.18. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you from the prize. Such a person goes into great deal but what he's seen and his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. Number two, Angels minister to us to this day. And so be watching for angels that God may send to minister to you. Maybe it will be a stranger who comes to offer you something in a time of need and you recognize this as an angel that God has sent. There's no explanation for this, but God has sent an angel. And lastly, angels are engaged in spiritual warfare. Angels engage in spiritual warfare. What does that mean? Well, in the years that I have been just at times involved in some semblance of spiritual warfare with men I really respect like Roy Matheson or John Thompson is here a couple of weeks ago on Sunday night or John Mahaffey who was here last Sunday night. Always as we've prayed, we ask the Holy Spirit to guide us and to protect us and we ask for angelic intervention. God, would you send your angels? God, we need your angels. And so I believe there are times where it's very appropriate to ask the Lord to send his angels as you are engaged in the battle. For our battle is not against what? Flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And God uses his angels to battle against principalities and powers. I'll get more into this in two weeks, but listen. If you do not think we are in a spiritual battle right now, I want you to go out today and just Google what the average Canadian believes. Just Google it. What they believe about money. What they believe about gender. What they believe about their time. What they believe about forgiveness. Years ago, a book was written called The Upside Down Kingdom. How everything about God's kingdom is inverse of this kingdom. And I believe that though we may not see the demonic always show up in ways that we may see in other cultures and places, that here they have a grip on the ideology and philosophy of our day. And so God, we need your angels. 
We need your spirit, and we need your angels. We need them. There are times when you're going through something in life, and you sense as you're going through it that this is more than just a dialogue with someone. This is more than just some trouble you're having. This is not simply the world or the flesh. This is actually the enemy, the demonic realm at this point where we looked at that in Ephesians 2, that it's either the world, the sinful nature, or the devil. And we don't want to give too much to him. It's not always the devil. Sometimes it's the sinful nature or the world. But we don't always want to be. It's foolish to blame what the devil's doing on the world or on the flesh. And so we need to begin to be able to discern, God, when is it which? And God, when it is the enemy himself, God, this is a spiritual battle I'm in and we need your angels. And there may be much confusion today about what that looks like, but I tell you this, they are ministering spirits sent to serve those who inherit salvation. Is that not great news? He's granted us his spirit. His spirit is in us. Praise his name. But he also grants us angels. And he allows the angels to battle on our behalf in the spiritual realm. Now some of you are thinking, so what do I do with that? Let me offer this as I close. Jesse, you guys can come up. It's one of the things you begin to learn as you grow in your faith about the spiritual war. And as you do so, you say, okay, Lord, what I'm facing right now is clearly spiritual battle. What I'm facing right now is clearly the demonic attacking. What I'm facing right now is not just the flesh or the world. So at this point, God, help me to recognize that this is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And that being so, God, would you send your angels to minister in this moment to protect us, to war against the demonic, God, to defeat them. They're only defeated by the accomplished work of Christ and his shed blood. But God allows his angels to engage in the warfare on our behalf. And so it's one of the areas we need to become more familiar with. Asking God for angelic protection and help in those times of need. Would you pray with me? God, we confess today that we come to an area that most of us are incredibly unfamiliar with. And for many of us today, our heads are spinning a bit as we're trying to understand and discern what it means when Scripture says that these angels are ministering spirits, serving those of us who inherit salvation. God, we thank you that in not fully understanding that what we do know is that it's not just that the demonic fell, but you have allowed your angels to be used in this spiritual battle and war against the demonic. And for that, all we can say is thank you and amen. Spirit of God, for each of us here as we've talked about today, may you guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And even this day, as many of us will continue to look into these things, may you grant us protection from your angel, by your angels from the demons. We need that angelic protection, and so God, we ask that you would allow that to be true. May we not become overly obsessed with this, and yet may we be mindful of the reality within which we live, for we need to be mindful of that reality. We ask in Christ's name, amen.